Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is vestments. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, we decided to talk about vestments because you have a bishop's installation to go to, and that's going to require some fancier duds than you've been wearing to church lately, correct? Correct. Okay, so let's start with what you need as somebody going. Yes. So for folks who are unaware, my friend Megan Moore has been called to serve as the Bishop of the Sierra Pacific Synod. And I will be going to the installation, probably the highest risk activity that I'll have been doing in the entire pandemic. But when your friend is installed as a bishop, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And Megan has asked me to be there. So I will be there. Mm -hmm. And I would say for me, as a general run of the mill clergy person who's going to be there, I will need my alb, which is a robe and my stole a red one for the day. The color of the day will be red, which is the color of the Holy Spirit, the color of celebration. And so I will probably, in fact, what I brought home with me from the church is my red ordination stole. Okay. And so that is the one that I will be wearing on that day. Okay. So you mentioned something called an alb. Yes. What is an alb other than a really fabulous word to know if you like crossword puzzles? <laughs> it is a great word. It's a three-letter word that's mm-hmm. pretty great for crosswords. An alb is a robe that is worn in order to kind of neutralize the kind of clothing that a person might wear. So it doesn't matter whether I have the money to afford an expensive suit or whether I have the money to just have regular clothing. When I put on my alb, it is a reference to the baptismal garment. Okay. And so albs are worn by clergy. They're worn by lay leaders. They're worn by rostered leaders of all flavors. Some denominations wear something called a cassock. Okay. It's also another type of robe. It's just a different kind of design. Oftentimes, the robes will be white But there's a lot of conversation about that as we begin to kind of contemplate anti-racism. Okay. And the conversation that white equaling clean Mm. and good as being perhaps something that we can untangle a little. The Presbyterians use academic robes. Okay. Like you would see somebody receiving a degree. Kind of. Yeah. They're very similar and are often black. And cassocks in the Roman Catholic Church and sometimes in Anglican Episcopalian tradition are also black. So as I look to replace my robe at some point in time in the future, I am also looking at black robes or another color. I think one of my original ones that I used was just a, a natural flax color. You can get them sometimes in like a natural linen or flax kind of off-white creamy color. Okay. Lots of different options and kind of a wondering about what color I'll go with. Now, is this a belted thing or does that not matter? Can be. Okay. So the belt can be either a wrapping belt when I was many sizes smaller 
I wore <laughs> like a, a wrapped belt kind of a thing that was about five inches wide and hung very chicly. As I have shifted and changed in body type over time, I have gone and stuck with the ropes, which are called a cincture, C-I-N-C-T-U-R-E. Okay. And I like the look of the cincture probably because the robe is super straight, like it's big. Mm-hmm. Moo-moo-like? Yeah, very moo-moo-like. Okay. But less comfortable. Oh, that's unfortunate. How is that even possible? Well, it's folded over, mm. right? So it folds and attaches at one shoulder with a couple of snaps, and then it folds and attaches at the other shoulder with a couple of snaps. But as any person who has sizable hips will tell you, wrap dresses on certain body types are rough. Okay. So I appreciate having the cincture to make sure that this giant wrap dress essentially stays where it's supposed to stay. Nice. Okay. So that's the alb and a stole. And mm-hmm. typically how many of these do you have? Do you just have one? It really depends upon financial means. It depends upon congregational stock. Usually a pastor will have access to one per season okay. at a minimum. So either a congregation will have them or a pastor will gather them across their career and have a different one for each color of the church season year. And we're talking stoles here, correct? That's stoles. That's the scarf type thing that we wear on a Sunday morning. The stole is given to rostered leaders at their ordination. A deacon's stole hangs crosswise. Oh, okay. Instead of hanging vertically. It hangs across the body and attaches at the hip. Like a Miss America banner kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. They symbolize a yoking together with Christ, a promise to do the work with God in the kingdom of God. And so we receive them during our ordination as a sign of this particular station and role that we then carry throughout our lifetimes. Okay. So then what is the bishop need for yeah. their vestments? Because that sounds like a little extra. It is a little extra, and it can be as extra as you want to go. But at the installation, what a bishop receives is a ring. Nice. For their hand, if they choose, but a ring to symbolize the responsibilities. The large pectoral cross And it is larger than the average cross. Okay. Larger than the average pectoral cross and often will have amethyst in it. Okay. Why amethyst? Amethyst is purple and purple is the color for bishops. Uh Aha. And some have said historically that it is a cleansing stone, a stone that will help to keep the spiritual wellness of a community in good order. Whose responsibility is it to buy or give this to the bishop? (laughs) Well, the pectoral cross Mm -hmm. oftentimes is owned by the synod and passed down from bishop to bishop. Okay. So it's something that the Sierra Pacific Synod would have gotten who knows when and just keeps passing from bishop to bishop. Exactly. Okay. 
Exactly. And the same here in Oregon and in other senates. There is one cross that is kind of officially the senate's pectoral cross for the bishop to wear. Okay. I'm guessing the ring is similar? No, the ring actually is individual. Not all bishops want to wear one. Not all of them choose to. But historically, it has been that a bishop would wear this ring, oftentimes with, again, a purple stone. Mm -hmm. And I believe historically that the bishop's ring was worn on the right hand middle finger. Okay. I'm not 100% certain on that, but I think I'm recalling that. And this, again, is that kind of daily reminder of your role, your responsibility, your commitment. Like the pectoral cross is larger than a normal one because as a bishop, you're not just representing a congregation. So if I wear a pectoral cross, I kind of wear it as a representative of the congregation. But bishops represent a lot of congregations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people. And so to wear that cross and remember, you represent a lot of people. The actions that you take, the decisions that you make, the ways in which you interact in the community, all reflect back on all of those people. And so some of these symbols are great opportunities to have reminders of that as you live into that office. Interesting. Okay, is there anything else that we're missing? Oh, there's more. There's a fancy hat. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) There's the mitre. So the mitre is a hat that bishops wear. Now, bishops wear stoles as well, and they wear an alb, they wear a robe, but that's all part of being an ordained leader. So the mitre is a separate piece that sets them apart. So the mitre is a peaked hat with some tassels in the back. The tassels in the back actually symbolize the Hebrew and the Greek scriptures. Okay. So that's the hat. It's a thing. I'm guessing made for each individual bishop so it fits their head. I don't actually know. I do know that Bishop Megan's is specifically made for Bishop Megan. Okay. To fit their head. Yes. I'm absolutely. also guessing, knowing the Lutherans the way I do, that this mitre doesn't come out very often. I think it depends upon the synod and the person and how high church you want to be. Okay. There's lots of places where it feels strange, maybe, to have some of the pomp and circumstance, but there are other places, cathedral esque, where mm-hmm. it makes Would not sense. be out of place. Not at all. And to go for it. I think that it's a personal decision how you want to interact with these. The final symbol that is particularly for bishops is the crozier, which is the staff that looks like a shepherd's crook. And so those are, again, another item that are often passed down from bishop to bishop. They belong to the synod. They belong to a specific group. They're actually collapsible so that they can go in luggage as you're traveling, right? Like they break down. But the crozier staff is another piece, another symbol that is a part of the pieces that are received during a bishop's installation. This is fascinating. I've been to the installation of the bishop of the whole thing. Oh, the presiding bishop? mm -hmm. Really? And that was so many years ago, I can barely even remember it. (laughs) 
Well, our presiding bishop will be present for Bishop Megan's installation, as Mm -hmm. well as for the installation the following day in Southern California when the next bishop is installed. And the presiding bishop presides over these installations. Yeah. As somebody who grew up Catholic, it did not seem out of place to me to see all of what we've been calling sort of the pomp and circumstance of the whole thing. Yeah. And there's more. Like, there's the big chasuble And very likely Bishop Megan will have a chasuble on when Mm -hmm. they preside at communion because we are going to be at a cathedral. We will be at Grace Cathedral. And so the purpose of the chasuble during communion is that in a place or time where you have a lot of clergy in one spot and you might be far away from where they are, only the person who is actually blessing the communion food puts on a chasuble. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you can see from the very back of a cathedral who it is that's doing the blessing Mm -hmm. because they have the great big giant half circle all over themselves. I mean, when you think about it, going back centuries, right, what they have developed to help give anybody in the way back Uh visual cues for who's doing what and the acoustics that have been developed over the years, it's pretty remarkable. Exactly. Given what little technology they had at the time, how they just made it obvious what was going on way, way up front. Precisely. And through symbols, not Mm -hmm. through writing, because many people couldn't Couldn't read. read. I mean, it's the same reason they had stained glass windows, right? They were teaching you the stories of the Bible. Exactly. And so same kind of thing here where the chasuble will be worn by the person who is presiding over communion and stoles will be worn so you know who the pastors are and stoles to the side, you'll know who the deacons are Mm -hmm. and the miters will be on so that you'll know who the bishops in the room are. And it helps to kind of give the visual cue as to who does what in what situation. It can be truly beautiful and fascinating. One thing that I've learned because my sister and I are working with Megan to work on the vestments for Mm -hmm. their installation. This was actually part of one of my questions is who can make these things? Can anybody make them? Yes. Anyone can make them. They take skill. They're not always easy. A basic stole. I was able to make basic stoles when I was in seminary. Mm -hmm. So I've made some, like the Lenten stole that I wear is one that I made. Mm -hmm. So there are some basic patterns and some basic ways to create them. But when you start getting into artistic stuff. Well, and a miter is not for the faint of heart. If you're just a, you know, newbie seamstress. Yeah, no, it really isn't. And my sister is a really gifted milliner in some ways. She's made so many gorgeous hats in her lifetime. Mm -hmm. And she took on the miter project for Bishop Megan. And the patterns that are out there, they're not real clear. I guess (laughs) they're not real obvious how to make that. So there's some definite skill involved. And of course, if you want to head into embroidery or Mm -hmm. if you want to go into those areas, that's a whole other level of artistic flavor. Mm -hmm. Now, my sister, who's an amazing seamstress and who's made several of my stoles, she agreed to help create the miter and a stole for Bishop Megan for this installation. 
in conjunction with the Latinx community from the Sierra Pacific Synod, one of the churches that ordained Megan way back when Mm -hmm. was St. Mary E. Marta. So that community gathered fabrics from different congregations and from different folks and then gathered imagery and symbolism of -hmm. what mattered to the Latinx community within the region and sent all of that information and the fabrics across the country to my sister. Oh, wow. And Lara has taken those and built the miter and built the stole and they're gorgeous. <laughs> I can't I even do say so. <laughs> They're just stunning. And it's possible, maybe, someday, that Lara can use some of that fabric to build what's called a cope. And this is something I learned about in this whole process, working with my sister and supporting her through the vestment process. Okay. The cope is the really big, cool, fancy cape thing. Like, have you ever seen the big fancy capes? Okay, okay. Hold on. Chausable is a thing that goes over and it's colorful or not colorful? It is colorful. The chausable will match the vestment color of the day. And it's like a giant half circle. It's actually, when you lay it out, Uh a chausable is a full circle with a place for your head cut in the center. Okay. Yep. Now a cope is different. How? A cope is different because it's actually a cape. Just a full-on cape instead of like a, I don't know, a tablecloth with a head cut out. No, it's still kind of like a tablecloth with a head cut out, but it has fasteners in the front. Nice. And it was an old raincoat. It was an old fancy raincoat for clergy, and any ordained person can wear one. Ooh. You have visions of a cope of your own, don't you? I totally have visions of a cope of my own. Well, a fancy raincoat <laughs> for a pastor in the Pacific Northwest sounds totally on point. Doesn't it? Now, we have to say my sister and I laughed about this because it's a giant circle. So it's going to have to hang for weeks <laughs> before it could actually, like the drape would mm-hmm. actually, you know, and the hem would be atrocious and a pain, in the, you know, to mm-hmm. make it happen. But we also had to laugh because why would you make it out of satin? If this is going to be a raincoat. Yeah, that's the worst fabric for that. Right? Hook me up with some outdoor Mm -hmm. upholstery material. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where is your religious (laughs) Gore-Tex? Right? (laughs) And totally for Pacific Northwest clergy. This is just sounding more and more exciting to me every moment. If I could figure out how to put pockets inside that thing oh there you go man fully set it looks real cool okay that's gonna lead me to my last question in this time where we have been worshiping from home in the world of zoom where you haven't had to wear fancy vestments Mm -hmm. do you have a favorite piece of your vestment arsenal that you have been missing and that Mm. you're excited to use again that is a great question I actually really do like wearing a robe because it does mean that no matter what I wear, no matter what I can afford at any given time, or no matter what I do or don't have access to, that it evens things out Mm -hmm. in the end and it levels the playing field. And so I really do love preaching and presiding in a robe. I miss that. 
And I do miss my stoles, partially because I am super spoiled to have Lara, my sister, who makes incredible liturgical wear Mm -hmm. and absolutely stunning stuff that I love to get to show off, but partially because they also tell the story. Our stained glass in our sanctuary isn't of images, it's color, but stoles, my stoles, tell stories. Mm -hmm. And I do miss getting to wear them. I do miss both of those things. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about vestments. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you are curious about vestments, want to know more about various and sundry things, go looking online. You can find some fascinating images out there. If you see anything you are particularly intrigued by or want to learn more about, or if you find something that made you laugh and you want to share it with us, send it on to podcast at centralportland.org. We'd love to see it. In the meantime, until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.